I'm Maggie Zabo, and I listen to Backstage Chats with Women in Music because empowering other women is what inspires me. Been so upside for a long time, honestly. Been so uptight, I've been missing a part of me. Then you come through like a sunstone. Beautiful, but you could do some harm. I'm a widow, I don't get so rain on me. from the song Worth the Wait from our next guest who hails from Ontario, Canada and now lives in Los Angeles, California. She's a singer-songwriter who has dedicated her music to wiping out social injustice and dedicates her lifestyle to helping others be their healthiest selves. Please welcome the pop EDM phenom with a soft heart, rock hard abs, and a strong as sexy outlook, Maggie Zabo. Wow, I love the intro. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, you know, I think it pretty much sums up a lot of what you're about, Maggie. True, it does. <laughs> it does, it does. And hey, uh, for the record, you are the first Canadian guest on the show. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well, it was just Thanksgiving, so for the Canadians. Um, for the Canadians, good. So yeah, lucky me. I think we should just jump right on into the shakedown, which is a group of six questions that we ask all of our special guests. Are you ready to shake it down? I think so. Let's do it. All right. Who was your first concert? My first concert, oddly enough, was Moby. I don't know if you know Moby. Oh, I do. At the, I think it's called the Molson Canadian Amphitheater. And my mom was a huge fan of his. And they brought me out to that. And it was like my first like real concert. And I loved it. How old were you? I must have been like probably eight. I was really young. Yeah, it was, it was really good. It was fun. Well, what was the first album that you bought with your own money? It probably would have been something like... TLC, maybe. I used my allowance. Um, I bought that album from Blockbuster when they were selling CDs back in the day. (laughs) Back in the day. Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? 
Wow, that's a good one. So there's a new artist, um, and I have been listening to her nonstop. Her name is Jasmine Sullivan. She, I just discovered her like last week. She has this song I've been playing on repeat, Lost One. And Jasmine Sullivan, I love her voice. I just, I really I have been listening to her a lot lately. So she's been on my radar. Okay, so we need to tell the audience to hop on Spotify, check her out, right? Yeah. Definitely. Next question. Which woman has had the most influence on your career? Ooh, that's a great question. I would say it would be Carol King. The reason is, is because growing up, like I loved all different kinds of music. I loved pop and R&B and soul and jazz. And Carol King was like the first female singer songwriter who I discovered that was like not only writing her own material, but also writing for other artists. And I just found that super inspiring. And I always just wanted to be like her when I grew up. We particularly really as Horizon Music, our foundation, Mm -hmm. really loves her because this summer she signed a mini keyboard and a copy of her book and we auctioned it on charitybuzz.com. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Isn't that cool? I mean, she walks the walk, right? Yeah. And she's just, I mean, she's always been so confident and just seems like a great person. And I really admire that. Next question. If you could have dinner with any woman, dead or alive, who would it be? Carol King would be definitely on the top of my list. I feel like I would love to hang out with Michelle Obama. (laughs) Ooh. Maybe we could do a dinner party. That would be great. She could give me all the gossip. Oprah. Oprah would be a good addition to that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And Oprah's been on a couple of different answers on our show for sure. Oh, my God. Sure. (laughs) Okay. Here is the last question, and it's a doozy. What is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? I would love to win a Grammy. Aim and high. Aim and high. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Why not two, right? Two I mean, Grammys. definitely at least one. It has to be at least one. I love yeah. it. Okay. Well, we're putting it out there to the universe. I love that. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we are going to jump in with more questions for Maggie Zabo after we get back from this short message. Don't miss out on new episodes, event announcements, and what's happening behind the scenes with Horizon Music Foundation. Sign up for the Spotlight email list today. Visit BackstageChats.com to subscribe. Horizon Music Foundation produces this podcast, and we couldn't do it without the support of our donors. A big thank you goes out to Laura of Birmingham, Michigan, who's a lifelong patron of the arts, Ann and Peter in Austin, who have hearts the size of Texas, Detroit's Nicole Tate, an unstoppable force for women in music and sports, and Amanda and Toby in Houston, who have supported Horizon Music since day one. Thanks also to LinkedIn's Pay It Forward team for choosing Horizon Music as a Pay It Forward program recipient. The team includes Chuck Hester, LinkedIn executive trainer, Lori Marrero, CMO of SolidLeaders.com, Adam Sinkus, COO of Elevare, Jennifer Redke, CEO of the National Institute of Social Media, and Bob Shears, president of RAS Associates Public Relations. Now, back to the show. 
And we're back with Maggie. As we mentioned in the uh, beginning of the show, Maggie is from Ontario and she moved to LA. And I have to say, when I was learning all about you, the first thing I thought when I read that is, oh my gosh, did you have total culture shock? Well, it definitely was very different. Like I'm from Dundas, which is a super small town. I made the jump out here probably seven years ago it's been. And especially like the first year, obviously there's lots of different things to get used to, but even just like immigrating here and dealing with all these things that you kind of take for granted when you're living somewhere, just like even the ability to get a cell phone and get utilities for an apartment, rent an apartment, all these different things. That was really stressful in the beginning. And definitely being in a big city was a huge adjustment but I loved it. Like the moment I got here, I was like, this feels like where I belong. And I think it was because there was such a big music community. And this really is the the main place that you have to be when you're a songwriter or an artist or an entertainment. So I immediately felt like it was where I was supposed to be. What did your family think? They were actually like, I came out here initially for a two week songwriting trip. I came out here and my goal was to just meet some producers, meet some songwriters and just get some great songs I could take back to Canada, end up recording there and release music up there. But within the first week, I absolutely fell in love with it. And I remember I called home. I'm really close with both my parents, um, but especially my dad is kind of who I always run by my crazy ideas with. And I called him and I was like, dad, I feel like I need to be living in L.A., And honestly, they were actually really supportive because I'd always done music. I was with a record label in Canada at the time. So music was what I was doing and that's what I was always going to be doing. So they were actually really supportive. They felt like it was kind of the next step for me. Obviously, it was difficult being away from them and it still is, but I make a point to call them as much as I can and we FaceTime and I go back home to visit as often as I'm able to, obviously with COVID. <laughs> it's not as often as we did, but, but yeah, you know, I think when it's people that you love, taking chances like that, moving to a different place, it can be a little daunting, but everyone was really supportive. When you got into LA and obviously, yes, getting the apartment, the utilities and settled in is, a, is an overwhelming prospect a lot of the times. What was the most surprising thing about living in LA? Good or bad? I think the most surprising thing for me was like where I grew up, like everyone that you know is just from there. Um, And that's where their family's from. But LA, I mean, I guess now it's normal to think about, but I never really thought that pretty much all of my friends here and all of the people I know aren't from here. They're from different places. It's pretty rare to meet someone who like was born and raised in LA, which is pretty amazing because people move here to chase their dreams and and really further who they are and where they want to be. And and that in itself is so inspiring. The first six months, I just learned that like, wow, everyone that I know moved here to to be someone or become something. And everyone else here really doesn't have their family either. So I always thought that was, even though, you know, it's not great, everyone wants to be around their family. It was kind of comforting knowing that a lot of my friends also were kind of in the same boat as I was. It becomes your second family. Totally. Like we, you end up having to rely on people 
more than you would in, in other situations, just because this is, you know, we're, yeah, we are family and music family and it's beautiful. It's a great thing. Now, I know that a lot of your music is based on, and and the thoughts behind it are based on social justice causes. And did that happen before or after you moved to LA? I always felt like really passionate about that stuff always. Um, But especially moving to LA, that's what really inspired me to really put that into my music and who I was as an artist and really be confident in expressing that. And I think it's because like I grew up in it in Dundas and, and it was great. And I'm thankful I lived there. Just being there was kind of a little bubble, like not on purpose, but obviously I was sheltered from a lot of the things that were really happening outside mm-hmm. of that. And moving to LA was kind of like a stark reminder of like, wow, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that I wasn't aware of. And it's not fair. We really have to use our voice and where we are to really help move that needle. You know, moving here and living in West Hollywood, that's really what it started inspiring me to want to put my music into that and really use that as a force. Just a little side note for our audiences is that one of the causes that you're very big on championing is transgender youth. Yeah. For a little bit of background information for folks who are listening, According to the Trevor Project, approximately 2% of youth identify as transgender as of 2017. This group of kids, they experience a 35% rate in attempted suicide compared to 7% of cisgender teens uh, within a 12-month period. Another very sad statistic is that approximately 31% have experienced sexual violence within the year compared to 10% of cisgender youth. Why is this particular cause very worthy, but why this one is so near and dear to your heart? Growing up, I felt like I was doing music and, and chasing that thing was always different. I was always different than other people. And, and I was lucky enough to have been accepted. Like my parents loved that about me and my friends loved that about me. Just thinking about like hearing those stats again, it makes me so sad that there are kids that are not able to be who they are without feeling depressed about it or with the idea that their family might not accept them or that their peers would be bullying them every day for it. It's it's that fear and and really living West Hollywood, which is like the LGBTQ capital of the world, all these stories that I hear from them about growing up in, in the town that they grew up in and how hard it was for them to come out to their families. All of these things, you know, it really just hits you and it makes you feel lucky that like certain things about my life was a lot easier than it was for a lot of these kids going through what they're going through today. LA, one of the reasons I do love it here and I love West Hollywood, which is the neighborhood I live in, is like you can be whatever and whoever you want to be. And, and most of the time it's, it's welcomed and it's celebrated, but that's not the case when you go to other places in the world. And, and I really hope that that changes because it just, it really, it hurts to think that people aren't able to feel comfortable being in their own skin and expressing who they really are. Yeah. It's definitely heartbreaking. Hey, everybody out there, Maggie's walking the walk because your video, Don't Give Up, 
was written and recorded with, and I believe it's Stefan Latronic. Yeah, Stefan, we call him. Um, who has worked with, oh my gosh, One Direction, Boys to Men, all kinds of folks. Oh, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. And then uh, singer-songwriter Chaz Mason. Want to make sure I say that right. It features the trans chorus of LA. And I'm wondering if you can share the story behind the song and the video. This song, you know, we got in the studio one day and I just felt like, let's write a song that people can listen to. And, and if they're having a horrible day, um, something that they can listen to that's going to make them feel like they're not alone. So we ended up writing Don't Give Up. I was like, damn, like, I really want to release this, this, this song and somehow make a video that would speak to a community that I am involved in and, and that I love. And I started doing a lot of research about the trans community and, and obviously hearing all of those statistics that you were speaking of before, it really hit me and I wasn't aware of all of that. And as I got further involved and, and started digging, I was like, wow, this is something that I feel like people aren't speaking up about and they need a voice. And I ended up actually finding and discovering that there was a trans chorus of Los Angeles which was amazing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So I ended up reaching out to them and I sent them the song and Abdullah and Catherine who help run the chorus, they reached back to me and they were so awesome. And they're like, oh my gosh, we need to do something. So I ended up organizing a video shoot and we recorded the song and we did a live performance video of the song and we ended up releasing that. That has been really kind of like a way that the chorus also has been able to show who they are because they never really had a great representation of the amazing work that they do. They all come together, they're dedicated, they share their voice, they share their time, and their goal is to speak up about the issues that they've had to face growing up and they are still facing. So we ended up doing that video and Huffington Post ended up sharing about it. We just got a lot of great attention for it and we've performed at like over 20 prides and different performances around California. So it's it's really been a great thing. And our mission is not over. We still, there's lots of exciting stuff that we're working on now moving forward. Obviously, COVID threw a little bit of a wrench in things. I would have never been able to experience being around a group of people like that had I not lived in LA. And I have learned so much from every single member and the love they have to give and and just for them being who they are, like the generosity that they want to spend their time um, speaking up about the issues they've had to face so that they can hopefully make a difference in other people's lives as well. So that is amazing and inspiring. And I feel really lucky to be able to work with them. And speaking to that, and obviously, you know, there's only so much that you can do during a pandemic. When touring starts again, I would just like to suggest that you um, try to set up a show in Austin because Austin is a big town for LGBTQ. And I think that you'd have a standout audience around here. I would love that. I've never actually been, and it's been on my bucket list of places to go, because obviously I know it's such a great music city, but I didn't really know that it was such an LGBTQ community as well. You let me know when you want to show up and we will, uh, I'll, I'll take you around. I will show you the whole chorus to come with me too. That would be fun. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll we'll do we'll do the rounds. We'll do I the rounds. <laughs>
kind of switching gears a little bit, I know that you've worked a lot in since you've been to the LA West Hollywood area, you've worked a lot on sinks or what they call them in the industry, but basically creating music that's for trailers and ads and things like that. And apparently, from what I can see, there is a new BET series called Sistas from Tyler Perry that's coming out. Weren't you the writer and singer on the trailer for that show? Yeah. So we did a promo for one of their, um, we did a song for one of their promos, sorry. And that just came out a couple of weeks ago, which was a really fun surprise. That was really exciting to hear the news for that. Before living in LA, I didn't even think that you could write music for film and TV. I mean, obviously I would watch TV shows and I would hear music, but I never really put two and two together. Like, Maybe I could do that. When I got here, that was kind of like something I started to learn about. Now it's turned into something that I invest a lot of my time in and something I love doing. And it's given me the opportunity to use, you know, TV shows and and film and different projects as a platform to share my my songs and my voice and my music. How did you get involved with that particular project? Because I think a lot of people like you say, I, it didn't even occur to me. And how would you do something like that? So what was your experience? All these different things happen and you can never plan for them. You can never like set a goal. Like I wanted to be in this TV show. A lot of it obviously is preparation and hard work. And then the timing and the luck is kind of the things that fall into your lap. I wrote that song with a couple friends, probably maybe six months ago and it was during a time it's the song that's in that trailer is very slow and cinematic and I think we had written that right before COVID hit it's just one day they they called us up and they needed us to change one word in the song this was about four weeks ago so we did and we still were like "Hmm, we don't know like they ask for revisions all the time and they never end up using them still and I've learned my lesson I try not to get my hopes up until it's like actually on air <laughs> in the TV. Oh, okay. So there's no contractual obligation of we are absolutely going to air this. Correct. So like, it's kind of always like, you don't actually know until it's there. I really only found out that it came out when I saw the Instagram post that they posted. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that seems to be how we find out a lot of things these days. I know. All the news nowadays. That was a really nice surprise. And similar thing happened. I wrote a song with Stefan again, actually, and Chaz Mason. We wrote this song called Love is Free probably three years ago. And about a year went by and Stefan called me up one day and he was like, hey, um, somehow the song got to the music supervisors of The Voice and Jennifer Hudson listened to the song and she loves it and wants to use it for her artist in the uh, finale of The Voice. And I was like, that sounds amazing. We were all obviously super stoked. But the whole time I was just setting myself up for the expectation like this could not happen. And so I really did not only celebrate until she was actually on the show performing it live. And I'm like, okay, now I know this is final. (laughs) So Ah, Okay. And so what was the name of the song again? Love is Free. Love is Free. And who, who was the performer? Kennedy Holmes. Okay. So everybody, you know what to look for. And support Jennifer Hudson because she was really awesome and cool. Oh, absolutely. Well, we all love Jennifer. She's fantastic. Okay, so moving into my next uh, topic here, I Don't Need You was the first music that I was exposed to of yours, Maggie. I love 
the video. It is that tongue-in-cheek, humorous take on prepping for a wedding day. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh, which was such a dichotomy at first sight because you're like, okay, wait, the video is about prepping for your wedding day, but then it says, I don't need you. You're like, what's going on? (laughs) What's going on around here? So I was hoping that maybe you could shed a little light. That song, luckily before COVID hit, I had recorded a bunch of material. I was planning on releasing them this year. Obviously, when you're preparing for a song release, you have to start thinking about music video. And this was like during COVID. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even know if I'll be able to film one. But I was able to wrangle in a location, which was my friend's house. They weren't going to be there. It was kind of just like free for all. And he's like, you can go there and shoot whatever you need to shoot. Totally fine. Luckily, we were able to get a storyline that was pretty easy to shoot with like a next to nothing crew and at a location that was a house. And we kind of built up this story about this girl that finds out basically (laughs) she had all these hopes and dreams to marry this guy. And of course, the idiot that he is, he breaks up with her via text. The music video continues from there, basically her living her best life. My next question is going to be, who's the good looking man who wants his designer lipstick back? Oh my gosh, that is Ian Maction. And Ian is one of my very close friends here in LA. And he's my stylist. He does my hair and he does my makeup for all my photos and videos. We obviously had to keep it like a very small crew. So it was just me and Ian. Um, Ian was doing my hair and makeup. We had the director and we had someone helping with camera stuff. We didn't really want to bring in anyone outside of that. So I'm like, Ian, (laughs) you're doing my hair and makeup today. And you're also going to be acting in this music video. (laughs) Um, But it was perfect because I feel like that would have happened in real life anyways. If I was to break up with someone, I'd be FaceTiming him. He'd be like, you know, brushing out his wig. So it was, it was perfect. I thought, well, he did a bang up job. I will say (laughs) he, he really did a good job and everybody will have a, we'll have a link to that video in our show notes. And I also would like to say we'll have links to Maggie's work in, in the show notes as well. And you have to go to her YouTube video to see the behind the scenes video for the, I don't need you video. Ian wearing the wedding dress was hilarious. Oh my gosh. So backstory in the music video, I had to like burn this or cut up this wedding dress that I was initially wearing when my boyfriend at the time texts me that he's breaking up with me. And I um, low key bought that dress on Amazon, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) during COVID you obviously we couldn't go anywhere. So I just like picked up a bunch of different wedding dresses from Amazon. We had just finished shooting a scene and I walk in and Ian is like prancing around in this big poofy wedding dress. And it was definitely my favorite memory of the day. (laughs) He did it justice. (laughs) I agree. He looked great in it. Okay. So now we have to talk about the part that I know everyone is dying to hear, or should I say the topic on everybody's mind, cellulite. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know. Uh, (laughs) Oh, we're going there. We're going there. Cellulite. I love your uh, social media feeds. So much of what you talk about are with regard to health, taking care of yourself, exercising, all the things that add up to healthy living. Why is this so important to you? Especially, you know, usually with musicians, all you hear about is the music on their news feeds or maybe what's going on with their significant other. But why is this so important to you to put out there? Well, it's important to me, A, because I feel like it was when I first got here, I joined a CrossFit gym and that's kind of where I started making my friends. So the fitness community has given me 
my my base here in LA. That's the people that really first took me in because obviously doing music, it's it's tough to meet people. And I ended up meeting a lot of my music friends through the gym. So that's always kind of like near and dear to my heart. But I also am very into taking care of your mental health. And I think working out and fitness and taking care of your body is a huge part of that. I know for myself, like obviously being a musician, I'm running my own business. I don't go into work. I don't have someone telling me what to do. And so for me, since the beginning, since I moved here, it was really important for me not to fall into that trap. Um, that's very easy to fall into, especially being in the entertainment business in LA, which is the going out and partying and drinking and the having fun, because I know how easy that can turn into like a daily thing. And the next thing you know, you're, you're not productive and you're not taking care of yourself and, and your mental health declines. I was super aware of that and I wanted to make sure that that wasn't something that I fell into. When I got to LA, I told myself, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get that out of the way because obviously as a musician, like our days normally really don't start until like 12 or one. That's normally when I'm going to the studio. So I knew the morning time was always going to be the safest bet for me where I could just keep my routine. um, And that way I could, stay as late as I need to in the studio. If I have to stay till midnight, I'm not missing my gym time. (laughs) That really gave me the structure that I needed to really make sure I'm making the most of my day and I'm waking up and I'm going to bed at a reasonable time. I'm not going out and drinking and partying and stuff. I'm thankful for that. And especially LA, like the health community and people are, are all about taking care of yourself, which is great. But of course, that leads into a lot of the things that we see online, which I feel like, especially with Instagram, I think it's really important to show the realities of like, how we're supposed to look and not everybody is the same and not all bodies are the same. And to just really accept yourself for who you are. Maggie, that's not just a topic for young people either. It's a topic for older women. Most people don't realize that women um, have the lowest uh, self-image confidence at the age of 51. See, that's crazy. At the age of 51, where you would think that we would have the highest self-image, right? The most positive self-image. That is actually the time of our lives when we tend to have the lowest. And a lot of that has to do with ageism. And as we age, our metabolism slow down and it's harder to keep the weight off and so on and so forth. And my as I call it, my past life, I was a professional image consultant. And it was amazing how many people would come to me. And when we would talk through what their goals were and what they wanted out of their image, they would say, I want to look skinny. I thought, oh my gosh, this is what our whole, we're getting obsessed by this. And so we had to redirect a lot of work. And And one of the things that I would tell people is work on your message, number one, And number two, strong is sexy. I love that you're bringing this up because the biggest challenge for me being here has been that idea that women have to be skinny and we can't have any muscle. And and I mean, I am short. I'm five feet tall. Whenever I work out, I, I get muscle. I'm not, my body type has never been the skinny body type. And Obviously, for some girls, that is just how they look naturally. And I think that's beautiful and it's great. But that's not my reality. The amount of comments from people in the industry that I have gotten 
about how I look too strong. My muscles are too much. Um, it makes me look too masculine. In the mm-hmm. beginning, like in the first couple of years of hearing that constantly, I started listening to it. And I remember I would go to the gym and I would say like, I'm not going to lift that heavy today because I really have to like tone tone it down because I, I want to look a certain way. And I'm afraid that if I start lifting weights too much that it's going to make me too, look too buff or something. And after a couple of years, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is exactly against what I want to stand for, especially being a female in this industry. And I think those stereotypes are so toxic and it's not fair. Like you would never say to a man in this industry, like, oh, you look too skinny or you look too buff. Men can look any, really any way they, they want. They're not um, put down because they look too strong. They're like, oh, sorry, dude. Like your abs are just showing too much today. Your biceps are too big. And it really made me so mad <laughs> like it, that, you know, women were hearing this. And then I would see these comments like of women online saying like, they just want to look skinny. And we get fed this thing that we have to look a certain way. And I think the only way to change that is if we stop listening to that advice and, and start really just listening to our bodies, making sure we're, you know, staying healthy, doing the things that we love but accepting our bodies for how they really, really are. And, and it's okay to be strong. It's okay to be skinny. It's okay to be this and that. But I don't think the goal is should be we can't put on muscle because it makes us look a certain way and that's not great because at the end of the day, that's being healthy. Exactly. And the other thing too is if we spend so much time trying to blend in, how are we going to stand out? How is opportunity going to find us if we don't stand out? Exactly. Even with the I don't need you cover, the single cover on Spotify that you see with the song, that picture, I remember it was like a little bit scary because that was kind of the first picture where I was showing my arms. I was definitely looking fierce and strong in that picture. And I was a little nervous, like, oh my God, are people still that toxic mentality is like, it's embedded in all of our brains. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, I don't know if I should be picking this picture. Should we do a different one? And my manager, who I love because he is right there with me when it comes to fighting for social justice issues, he was like, no, like this is what we should be doing. That sets you apart and it'll serve as inspiration to someone else, to another girl who maybe looks like you or who who wants to be strong. I really do think we all have to be more comfortable with with being strong and, and not skinny all the time. I've been seeing some little teasers on social media with the title Worth the Weight with W-E-I-G-H-T instead of W-A-I-T. So, of course, I'm wondering, what's worth the weight? Pray on words. It's so funny because when we were in the studio, I wrote that with my friend Rob and Sam and Hayes. It really is just talking about, you know, when you're in a relationship and fighting for something, obviously it can go one of two ways. It can... It can succeed or it can fail. And the song is about like, even if it does crash and burn, I would have, I'm glad that I would have taken that chance and you'd be worth the wait if it does weigh me down. It's just a play on words, but it is kind of funny that I guess my friends know me so well. <laughs> that they really I think it's perfect. <laughs> we'll make sure to include that in our show notes as well so that people can, can catch onto that. I want to say thank you so much for sharing with us your story about self-image, about the causes that you're championing, especially for transgender youth. 
I know that you've got some folks that you are supporting on your website. So we'll make sure we have a link so people can see that as well. And giving us a fun outlook that is, you know, not trying to be like other people that is doing what you do. It is very appreciated. And that's part of the reason why we love having women like you on the show because they remind us to be dreamers and rule breakers and of course, rock stars. Thank you. And I love connecting with other women who are are on the same page. And thank you for being a champion for women and for badass women and for being a badass yourself. So I appreciate you for that. Well, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a great day. We will catch you the next time on Backstage Chats with Women in Music. This is Thea Wood signing out. Backstage Chats with Women in Music is a production of Horizon Music Foundation. Thank you to our guest, Maggie Zabo, and a big thank you to Worth the Weight producer Sam Hansen and songwriters Maggie Zabo, Hayes Kramer, Rob Russell, and Sam Hansen. The show was produced by yours truly, Thea Wood. The theme music came from Pond5. We couldn't uplift the next generation of women in music if it weren't for social media coordinator Eleanor Bush, intern Yuritsa Torres, and all the volunteers and donors who support Horizon Music on a regular basis. If you'd like to join the cause, visit horizonmusic.org. That's horizon, H-E-R-I-Z-O-N, music.org.